you gonna score 300 points in fantasy on me this week? That's how it's gonna be? Um, I gotta tell you, I didn't even know who I was up against this week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome to Hattrick. I am Jordan Dollar-Coltman, joined by Elliot Tanti and Braden Dollar-Coltman. We've got lots to cover this week. Uh, busy week in, in the world of sports, lots going on. Um, we will talk about the Oilers uh, and the very impressive game Friday night against the New York Rangers. Great start, historic start for the Oilers. We will get to that uh, in a little bit. We will talk about some other controversial topics before we get there. But before we do any of that, first, let me send it to my co-hosts quickly. How are you, boys? Uh, have you had a good week, Braden? Ole, ole. I have had a good week. Um, yep. Great week. I have very much enjoyed watching the Oilers uh, and their dominance to start the season. Elliot? You know, yeah, that's this is why they pay me the big bucks, to have the strong opinions, to <laughs> to say, to have the hottest of hot takes. And, you know, I'm just here that, you know, that's, that, that's my game. I saw an opening on the Toronto Maple Leafs and I'm making the playoffs and I took it. And you know what? That's just why I'm here. That's... That's my role in this podcast. All joking aside, there is some very serious news we want to get to, um, and then some sort of silly news we want to get to, but we'll start with the more serious stuff. Obviously, we talked at length last week with Larice uh, and Elliot about the Chicago Blackhawks scandal and the continuing fallout from the revelations um, from the investigation into uh, how the Blackhawks handled uh, Kyle Beach's allegations, obviously still the Blackhawks and Kyle Beach locked in a lawsuit over um, this just debacle of an entire uh, failure system failure. Um, And the NHL, of course, also now in a bit of um, damage control, to say the least. Monday, Gary Bettman and and, um, Bill Daly sat down with the media for several hours to try to do their best to stem the bleeding. Elliot, um, you, you often have very strong opinions about things, as you've already mentioned. On the weekend, I think you were you were kind of defensive uh, or protective of the NHL. You, you suggested that Gary Bettman's initial response seemed to be on point. But following that press conference, there was a lot of criticism of Gary Bettman and just sort of the, I don't know, ham-handed nature in which they dealt with it, the way in which he, he couldn't really answer the questions about how the Arizona situation um, somehow mitigated more of a punishment than this situation and and all of those things long long way around to say as we continue into this uh, week two now of sort of damage control for the nhl um are your feelings changed on how the nhl has handled this so far elliot absolutely absolutely that press conference was atrocious we continually heard i you know we continually heard from the nhl that they were taking the situation seriously and that, that there was going to be uh, that, that there was something substantive and major that was going to come uh, from when Gary Bettman and, and, and Bailey spoke to the media. And what we got was emotionless lawyer speak, which is what we've gotten throughout this entire process for the major- majority of it. I mean, even Kevin Day off this week coming off and basically read a, a, a prepared statement that, you know, you know, was drafted by a lawyer. And for me, it goes back to what I said last week around self-interest. But I think, I think there was enough outcry and enough anger about the way in which Bettman and that press conference went that I think there are serious and really legitimate concern, uh, conversations going on right now about whether those two gentlemen are the ones that are meant to be leading this league moving forward. That's how atrocious that was. And if those aren't, conversations aren't ongoing, um, I, I'm going to continue to have them because that's, that was unacceptable from uh, – from leadership uh, in this situation. 
uh, with all the yeah. resources around them, with everything that they had in terms of media training and the capacity, for that to be the response from the two most important people in the league's head office, uh, unacceptable. Um, well, uh, I'll get you in a second, Brayden. I just want to just slightly shift the, the conversation for a moment because Elliot did bring up Shevel Day off, and that's true. The Winnipeg Jets held a press conference, a joint press conference, where um, – owner Mark Chipman and uh, general manager Kevin Chevaldeas addressed the media. Um, uh, you're right, Elliot. It was a lot of, it was a lot of prepared stuff. Basically the only um, news I, I guess you could say coming out of that is Chevaldeas gave us a little bit of insight into what his conversation with Batman and to the investigators was and suggested that um, the, the one meeting that he is known to have been a part of um, during that meeting, he was under the impression he believes most of the people in that room were under the impression that they were dealing with a sexual harassment situation, not a sexual assault situation. That is his defense. I mean, obviously we'll take him at his word, but that the, obviously uh, many other um, uh, individuals' words uh, have suggested that the, they should have known much more. And if they didn't, then someone was withholding that information from senior management. Um, so again, it's one of those, you either didn't know and didn't ask the right questions to find out, or you heard just enough to, to bury your head in the sand or avoid it. Now, Kevin Chevaldeoff, um, as we said, Obviously, his answers were suffice enough for the league to not punish him in any way. Um, what I would say, though, the, the takeaway, and then I'm going to I'll offer this to you, Braden. Did you feel, though, that what Mark Chipman said was more interesting, considering he is a member of the Board of Governors and a, one of the owners who is responsible for Gary Bettman's job? Uh, he seemed to take almost personal um uh, responsibility for the failings of the governorship of the NHL and suggested that it's a time for those owners who do feel like this situation was handled badly to start to say so and to to look for change. He demanded that, or he suggested that he himself would be one of the, um, you know, the, the, the forebearers of that mission to try to bring about some, some structural change in the NHL. Do you believe what he had to say? And what were your thoughts on, on this situation? I know you didn't get a chance to weigh in last week. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't weigh in last week, but, uh, the conversation was, was great. I, I definitely tuned in. Um, I think I did, I mean, yes, I did believe Mark Chipman and, and I think there was a level of emotion that was brought to, and also a pace, like when Mark Chipman was speaking, there was also like a, let me answer the question you're actually asking me instead of, uh, I'm going to read this statement so that it blankets, whatever this conversation leads to the thing that stood out with me in that con that, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump back here to Shevel Day Off, though, is something here that stood out was that at no point did I hear him uh, address what the actual policies are. What are the steps that you actually take when something like this happens? Yes, I know you were the assistant GM, which meant to you or anyone else you wanted at the time where you were a coffee runner. That's not the case now. You are a GM of a, of a team. Uh, and, and so I want to hear instead of what you know, what I would have done differently, or I will do better. I want to know what that is. I want to hear from you what that is so that I feel confident knowing that you're in the, you're in the right position to make change happen. I think the other thing with it all is like, we've talked about hockey culture leads right back into what, what you guys are saying here with Batman. This is somebody who has been at the helm for 27 years. So through 27 years, there has been a lot of change happen, you know, and in some parts for the better, I quickly want to commend like the, the, the stuff that the Oilers and the Canucks are doing with their teams and, and integrating indigenous culture or Diwali culture into, you know, what's happening on and off the ice. 
but going back to the you know the the leadership here you've got a commissioner who is unanimously booed by the fans of this league is this someone who you want at the helm i mean most commissioners are booed by the fans of the league he, he, i he don't is think the, adam uh, silver is well maybe not right now but you give it a few more years it'll happen uh, the, the truth so, is though that the, the 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 commissioner is always going to be in the role of he is the guardian of the money he is the guardian of the owners he is the employee of the owners uh and in most of these major leagues the, the the responsibility falls to the owners to decide whether or not the culture surrounding their game is something they want we have not we do not have a single um non-white owner in the nhl we do not have a i believe there's only one or two maybe women owners usually parts of either a family that owns a team i'm thinking of the illiches in detroit uh i believe one of the daughters of 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 mr illich who passed away is a member of that ownership group but there is not a singular woman owner this is an incredibly um, lacking in diversity league when it comes to upper management, right? Uh, and and that is yeah. where these 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 conversations have to to start because it has you know diversity of ideas, diversity of perspectives, diversity of culture, diversity of all of those things we have seen in society lead to um, changes for the better. Um, but what I so I'll pivot one more time here uh, to just to sort of continue the conversation as we we Elliot said very well on our last show. It's important for for um, people with privilege, men, to have these conversations about what's going on. Hockey fans to have conversations about what's going on. We have a little bit of a platform. Let's use it. Here's the the next piece of this. There is a bit of um, uh, of a pattern that occurs when some type of big revelation like this happens, where you you start to ask yourselves this couldn't possibly be an isolated incident. And of course it's never an isolated incident. Think of Harvey Weinstein and how that began a cascade effect of the me too movement that eventually gets lumped in with the bigger, you know, conversation and, and eventually clumped into cancel culture for, for better or for worse. And all of that, movement towards some progressive change in these industries that were stuck in their old ways because one or two incidents. So we already know that there is another situation going on in the NHL right now. Billy Guerin is under investigation by the U.S. Center for Safe Sport because of allegations by Aaron and Jared uh, Scald, who Jared Scald was an assistant coach of the Wilkesbury um, farm team for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, he and his wife alleged that head coach at the time, Clark uh, Donatella, assaulted his wife in a car while the three of them were driving. Wow. He reported this to then Pittsburgh assistant general manager, Billy Guerin. For those who don't know in the NHL, the assistant general manager is the general manager of the farm team. Most times the AHL team is general managed by the assistant general manager of the big club. Billy Guerin apparently in this lawsuit is alleged to have told them to keep it quiet. So we have the exact same situation that happened in Chicago to a much smaller scale, to be fair. Uh, but 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 the same level of of um, sweeping so things under the rug, trying to keep things quiet, um, subversion and all of that. Bill Guerin obviously denies this. The league is investigating it. And now the U.S. Center for Safe Sport, which I believe has been um uh, built following the scandal with the sexual assaults in the gymnastics program uh, in the United States is now investigating as well. So already we're seeing this is not an isolated incident in Chicago. I'll step out of hockey for just a moment before I turn it back over to you and also point out there's an investigation going on right now in the NBA into the 
management or owner, I believe, of the Phoenix Suns. And again, toxic culture, racism, uh, racism, all of the same things we saw with John Gruden, the same things we've seen in the investigation into Dan Snyder in Washington. We are at the I believe we talked last week, Elliot, about are we at the beginning of something or are we already knee deep in it? I think we're neck deep in it. Um, do you expect to see even more of this? And what are your thoughts now that the sort of the, the curtain has been pulled back? Is pro sports in its reckoning when it comes to this? Or is this just another dot on a long list of things? And are we bound to see this for the next decade? Is change possible, I guess, is the question, right? I mean, I think change is possible. You have to make, I think you have to be, you have to be um, positive given that, you know, at least we're getting to a place now where some, at least some of these things, some, and I, and and I stress the word some (laughs) uh, are coming for, people are coming for and and these things are being talked about. Um, Are we coming to a reckoning? I mean, I, you know, that's yet to be determined. I still do not have confidence. I, I, I had a lot more confidence after our show on Saturday and some of the things that you had said last week or Sunday last week uh, than I did after this week. And, I, you know, I'll circle back to that, that Batman Daily um, press conference, but also just the way in which things are talking in which, you know, we're still talking about hockey, nine in one starts and stuff, you know, like the, the thing about sports is that it's an ongoing and ever changing story because there's always new stories going on. And it's why I think a lot of these social conversations that have impacted other major industries continue to sort of sport, major sports continues to elude them. Right. There's just the nature of the beast. that's very difficult to, to stick on and, and, and continue to be a part of what I do think where I do think a reckoning is beginning to occur is in sports media. I think even the um, the statements and things that were said by Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman and others in in, in sport the Sportsnet realm, uh, that them of course being very highly connected to the to the league with their with their massive deal, uh, their unwillingness to waver on continuing to follow up on these stories and continue to have the conversations does gives me hope that the media will continue to track these things and that's ultimately where we're gonna if we're talking about a reckoning that's where it's gonna start because the hard questions are gonna have to be asked. Um, and so, so that gives me a little bit of hope, but again, I, like I said, there's like the, you're, you've got this nature of the beast that is sports next to maybe a changing media network na- narrative, but maybe not too. Well, and as you say, I mean, uh, you can, you know, com- commend the, those journalists who are stepping forward. I, I think that there's also a lot of questions or, or perhaps a spotlight on them themselves. And I think that that's going on. Right. We talked last week, too, about why on earth was Rick Westhead the only reporter who seemed to be on this story for almost a year. And then he also ended up in an interesting situation Monday during that press conference, um, uh, a day or two after Frank Saravelli, who is still the chair of the Hockey Writers Association, uh, penned an open letter to the NHL, basically reprimanding the NHL for how they had handled part of the press conference. It was made evident that almost an hour into the press conference was the first time that Rick Westhead was offered an opportunity to ask a question, and he was not given an opportunity to have a follow-up. And it became pretty clear to most of the journalists, I believe, in that room that they were trying to subvert his opportunity to ask them questions, either out of um, some form of really bad blackballing here, where we literally recognized that he was the guy who had cracked this whole thing wide open. Uh, And the NHL obviously should be absolutely ashamed of themselves if that's the case or secondarily they just 
it was a terrible, terrible coincidence. Regardless, the point being, the journalists who are asking those questions need to be given the opportunity to ask those questions. You know, we were critical again of the Florida Panthers who should also be ashamed of themselves for not making Joel Quenville available the day that they had him coach, even though he was waiting for the call that eventually would end his tenure in Florida. It's just, again, that insular uh, old boys club of protectionism that again has incubated this culture right and and we have to ask these things i think again moving forward elliot's right this has to be some change is only possible when it is industry like industry-wide when it is within the league with it when it was in the organizations whether the players buy in whether the management buys in owners have to buy in then the media infrastructure around it has to buy in fans have to buy in we have to continually support those people who step forward and are uh, brave enough to take the risks to call people out. And we need to encourage those people to have this space and safe space to do that. Braden, I will give you the last word on this topic before we wrap it up. Uh, You've said everything that needs to be said here. Um, I think just the big thing is accountability and the, the right, you know, the right steps have to be taken to make sure that the, the people who are doing wrong here are being held accountable and that the, that change can happen. All right, we'll leave it there. That's topic one. The Ordinary Podcasting Network is excited to announce that we have launched a merch store on our website. The store is full of ordinary swag, including t-shirts, hoodies, and hats. You can pick out something awesome and support your favorite podcast today by heading over to OrdinaryPodcasts.com. Okay, on to topic two. And we continue with uh, controversy, this time in a different league. Um, we finished our last segment talking about sort of the media's role in things. And I think that that for me is the big part of this storyline and, 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 and whether or not the media is somewhat responsible for fanning the flames of what could have been a smaller story. Maybe it isn't a smaller story and we'll dig into that. Aaron Rodgers, um, obviously putting COVID protocol this week following uh, a positive test. And as a result, it became evident that he was not vaccinated as he had earlier insinuated uh, at a press conference when he was asked uh, during preseason, um, he responded to a question asked, are you fully vaccinated by s- simply answering I'm immunized, um, which uh, led people, I think rightfully to believe that yes, he was vaccinated. Turns out he was not vaccinated. And obviously the absolute lid of the sports media infrastructure blew off when this news came about. Um, Rogers defended himself uh, a couple of days ago on the Pat McAfee uh, podcast. He basically claimed that he's allergic to ingredients in two of the vaccines and that he was scared of side effects from the third. So he made a personal choice not to be vaccinated. Um, he also then claimed that he is in the crosshairs of a woke mob that is trying to put him in a cancel culture casket and that he is getting medical advice from Joe Rogan. Ah. Yeah. Uh, he also took a few shots at a fellow um, professional athlete in the spotlight of the anti-vax movement, Kyrie Irving. Not directly, but he did suggest, though, that although he had chosen not to be vaccinated, he didn't want to be called a flat earther or anti-vax nut job. (laughs) Taking a a bit of a side swipe there at at Kyrie and his flat earth uh, opinions. So obviously, as I said, the media really had a field day and continues to have a field day with this. Um, My question to Braden is... um, has the media made this way more of a story than it really is? Or is Aaron Rodgers and this deceit um, 
as big a deal as as we we've all sort of been made out to be or is this just another example of of the current media climate and how fast uh things escalate should we be as angry at aaron Rodgers as i think the majority of people now are is well, my ang- question angry for what like angry that he lied or angry that he wasn't clear about the idea the angry that he's taking advice from joe rogan and his ivermectin police i mean it worked for joe and that's great and there's definitely research around what's more valuable in terms of um, being immune to COVID. The idea that he's allergic to something uh, in the the compound that makes up this vaccine is another whole thing that you go, well, then what do you do? But then also your league has a mandate. If you want to play in this league, you want to play football and make the money that you're paid to, to then I, I, as a fan who pay, you know, I expect you to follow these protocols, take part in this, take part, especially the team part of it. Are you, how, how many of his team members actually knew that this was happening? I, I worry about that. And I think the other thing with Aaron Rodgers and like right in the off season, there was a whole bunch of, is he going to move? What's happening with Aaron Rodgers? There was just so much focus on him. And I, I don't think that he could escape this without this kind of focus and escalation, right? Elliot, you follow the NFL pretty, uh, pretty adamantly. Um, what were your thoughts when this whole thing exploded? Yeah. Also, if I, if you were to say, who's my team, I'd tell you it was the green Bay Packers, um, community run organization, you know, relatively good in the community. There's used to, you know, have players that I respected. It's Not the green anymore. and gold, isn't it? It's the green and gold. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Got me. Um, no, but uh, getting back to the issue at hand, I mean, I think, oh, how the mighty have fallen. There's a couple of pieces that I want to talk about here. One is if this guy isn't the star quarterback that he is and the meaningful player that he was and returning MVP, I mean, he'd just get cut in any other situation. Yeah. Like <laughs> the NFL is notorious for that and ruthless in terms of Odell Beckham got cut this week he was yeah Um, that's right you know like they're sort of the league doesn't really care owners don't really care and don't really like this kind of stuff so it's because of it's the double standard around who he is the position that he plays and probably the fact that he's white that he's allowed to you know continue that he was allowed to do this because the league knew he had applied for some special status around alternative therapies and the nfl had said no and denied it and denied his uh appeal so Someone knew, right? Uh, they, ha- they had to have in that space. Um, so so what, one, there's the double standard there in terms of that piece of it. I mean, the other thing is, you know, just like everything else, when we talked about this issue before, show some leadership. Like, it's about being a role model in your community. It's about behaving in a way that's, uh, that's appropriate, that... that, that, that uh, doing, you know, you have an obligation to do proper research and emulate proper behavior in your community. And the unwillingness by Aaron Rodgers to do that is is just deeply, 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 deeply troubling. And even if there was, and I think his excuse around the allergies to two piece, to the two ingredients in the uh, in, in in Pfizer and Moderna uh, is um, completely an utter bullshit. Yeah, there's the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. And his response to that question was talking about blood clots. Blood clots, yeah. Yeah, like which is like what one in 1.5 million chance of actually happening um, and, and may not even be st- statistically um, connected to, to 
to the Johnson and Johnson. And he's a professional athlete who makes millions to keep his body healthy. Yeah. So just, just this sort of, um, pearl clutching around one's personal health. So as to really, I think he's probably just a baby and scared of needles, honestly. Yeah. I think what's frustrating a little bit is that very quickly, these conversations uh, get so polarized and politicized because it becomes about, you know, so many of these athletes who are making these decisions, Kyrie Irving, um, uh, cousins, Aaron Rodgers, all of these guys who are, who are stepping forward and making it clear that they just do not want to get vaccinated, whatever their reason. Um, what they're doing is they're feeding a, a much more dangerous and much bigger um, media infrastructure with ammunition of, look, this guy you look up to feels this way, just like me and all of these things. And you end up with Aaron Rodgers, you know, has access to amazing medical services. I'm sure that COVID for him has been treated incredibly well. I'm sure that he has the resources to to be taken well care of, but there are so many people who aren't, who are following the, as Elliot said, these, these leaders and these role models. I, I don't, I, I don't believe that we should expect every one of our athletes to be a great role model all the time. That's just the reality of human nature. There's going to be some bad apples in there and there's going to be some people who just make poor choices. But the truth is when you are called out for it and when it is made evidently clear that you have made a decision that is selfish, the, the response you have, I think, illuminates who you really are much more. And this rushing to almost just straight victimhood to playing this idea of, you know, the woke, uh, you know, left is out to get me. No, no one is out to get you. People are calling you out for your hypocrisy, for your, for your absolute lack of, um, uh, of leadership on this issue, an absolute lack of, of sound judgment. People pay and, and invest a lot of money into who you are as an athlete, not just the team that is, that is, that is paying you to play a game um, for a living, but also the fans who are supporting that infrastructure. They have, you know, there is a responsibility you have there to make good choices. And if you don't make good choices, as is your right, whether we like it or not, then you are responsible for the consequences of your actions. And in this situation, he, like Braden said earlier, there's an element of this whole thing. For me, the, the, the most annoying and frustrating part about how the, the term cancel, cancel culture has been weaponized by predominantly the conservative movements of North America, and frankly, the rest of the, the world for that matter, is the fact that it is used as a, um, a, a blanket all defense for for choosing not to take responsibility for one's own actions. People are not trying to cancel Aaron Rodgers. People are simply holding him responsible for his actions. That is the truth. People did not cancel Harvey Weinstein. He was held accountable for his actions, right? We can we can term it and call it whatever you want, brand it whatever you want. The truth is accountability matters. It matters in sports. It matters in business. It matters in everyday life. Children are taught from a very young age that accountability matters. And again, it's most important in these situations. And the reason I believe that it is important that people are upset with Aaron Rodgers publicly is because he has not just let down the the Green Bay Packers and his fellow teammates. He was selfish in, in his actions. And that is what has led to him not being able to perform on the field. He is his selfish actions have led to all of those fans not being able to see the best player on their team lead their team to some form of victory that costs those fans. 
It costs the media that is expecting that product. And then again, every person who is now going to follow his lead, the same people who are following Joe Rogan and, and this ridiculous horse tranquilizer medication. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yes, it's not just Brady. horse tranquilizer, though. Regardless, it doesn't matter. Uh, the, it is not an approved FCC. safe method of treating COVID-19. That is the Correct. truth. And Correct. we should not. Here's but the people thing. do got, take ivermectin every day. The point is, if you are taking medical advice from a podcast host, stop. Oh. No, listen, Stop. I, that's I'm sorry. Arguing. Joe Rogan is a hack when it comes to this type of, <laughs> I just can't, I'm not, uh, I, uh, yeah. All right. Go ahead. I want to hear it. I'm not going to, I don't want to give a misogynistic, homophobic, transphobic human being any more platform than he already has when he's being paid tens of millions of dollars to indoctrinate hundreds, people the exact hundreds same hundreds of millions of dollars, the exact same way that the rest of the right-wing media infrastructure does. And I have no time or patience for it, frankly. He is a wolf in sheep's clothing. He's just center enough that people don't consider him as wacky as Glenn Beck or as Alex Jones, but he's as much a snake oil salesman as any of them, as far as I'm concerned. He hides behind the exact same things we said about Aaron Rodgers. It's that I'm being attacked by cancel culture and I'll defend myself. uh, And I'll suggest that anyone who comes at me is just trying to do that because they don't want to give me the opportunity to speak my mind. It's the same thing with the Dave Chappelle thing. All of it is just about victimhood, 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 victimhood. Stand up for what you say. If you believe in what you say, fine, but own it. Don't, don't, don't hide behind the, oh, this is my freedom of expression only. No, it's not. You believe these things. So then own that. Own that you are all of those things. That oh, he this, has a huge following that listens uh, to him. He's not selling anybody. Brady, that's on not anything. true. It's not true. Just because he is not personally sp- selling the product, it is no different than Donald Trump randomly suggesting something. When you mm-hmm. when you are not a true trained medical professional, you should not be even suggesting what types of unproven medical treatment people should be taking. That is that is where it ends. And this yeah. goes back there's to bigger, the same there's thing. There's a bigger here thing, though. There is a bigger thing with ivermectin. We probably won't have time to get into this because the, I want to know, like, so so why why is it not a why is it not a regulated or or proven thing with the WHO? Because it is currently ivermectin is Money. manufactured as a dewormer for livestock. Okay, I'm sure there are the a lot of medications lioness. out there, Braden. Braden, but I'm sure there are a lot of medications out there that were designed for animals that human beings could safely take, but we shouldn't. But you shouldn't be I taking think, that. I think the point here, Jordan, that you made that's more important because you know, going back and forth, like none of us are qualified to talk about the effect of ivermectin as, as a treatment for COVID. The better, the, it, it's the same argument when it came to Trump, which was like COVID becomes, is, is not as dangerous to you, Aaron or Donald, because you have the infinite resources available right. at your fingertips or Joe Rogan able, or That's Joe right. Rogan the privilege because, of because Absolutely. you have the, all you try every type of therapy and everything that, that uh, is possible. So as for you to be healthy, that is not the same experience of every Anybody other person in, in, in this. Right. It, and I go society, back to what I said about what it talks about. Right? I go back to what I said about Joe Rogan and this idea that he is now lodged in with this Rogers thing. The suggestion that Joe Rogan is doing scientific research is bullshit. He is not someone you should be taking medical advice from Aaron no. Rogers. And, and if Aaron Rogers valid. No, but Aaron Rogers did, Braden. Aaron Rogers said in right, his but press Joe conference, Rogan would say that's the dumbest thing that you've ever done. Listen to I my think advice. Joe Rogan medical. would. I think Joe Rogan would say thanks for listening. That's the yeah, truth thanks. of it. <laughs> 
that's the truth of it is that at the end of the day, these people who have these platforms need to be smarter, understanding how what they say is taken. And that is what I'm saying. People are dying because they are thinking that the information they are getting from Facebook, from Twitter, from podcasts, from right wing media is safe and proven science. It isn't. I'm sorry, Kyrie Irving or at one point, Al Andrew Wiggins suggesting that they were doing their own research to find out what was best for their bodies. Are you a fucking scientist? Where's the where's the peer reviewed paper? What do you mean you're doing your own research? Well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Because some something like with Andrew Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins is very clear that this was a a religious thing that he was going through. And he made the decision that it was better for him to get the vaccine. Good for him. Good for him. But that but that is another level of this. And I'm not saying that it's right, but that is another level of this. I mean, I I think you talk to the majority of religious leaders in in this world and they'll tell you the right thing to do based on their their religiosity is to get vaccinated because that's the best thing for the greater good. And And likely that's that's what what happened for Andrew Wiggins. Stands for, right? But I I, I do think that there um, there, there is a proclivity amongst athletes, particularly now, particularly in this new age, with all this new science around performance, and how bodies react, whether that's, you know, increases talking about sleep or diet or um, uh, any number of things, Tom Brady and, and his whole thing around, you know, his, his ability to play into his forties is largely associated with trying out new age medicine and new age techniques around, around health and healing. And, and, and this is, this is what sort of get, gets lost in this conversation is there's the nut bar kind of right wing freedom is everything. I won't get vaccinated because that's against my freedoms, but there's also this new age hippie sort of collective that I think the majority of these athletes fall into. That's more so around my body is uh, they're, 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 who subscribe to these ideals that the notion that one type of medicine medicine could be good for everyone is antithetical to their belief and that your body is, you have to tune your body to yourself. And I'm not saying it's right. And I'm not saying I agree with it, but I think we're, we have to differentiate between sort of nut bars and people that are, are doing this for ideological reasons and people that are under-researched and undervalued and have, have deep personal beliefs related to the fact of this new age medicine because uh, because convincing them is two different conversations is all is all my point is I'm not I'm not saying one's better than the other or that the new age people are right and I think that's where Aaron Rodgers falls into in this conversation but the way in which you talk about it and the way in which things are uh, you engage with that group is very different than the ideological so group. with the Aaron Rodgers with the Aaron Rodgers thing I want to come back to this how how is it that the NFL has this other protocol or treatment thing that you can go through instead of like why is that even an option? Well, I think he applied to it. I think he made it up and applied to it. Uh, you'd have to know, but but the, he was denied it, right? He was denied it. And so other, yeah, yeah okay. I don't think anyone's been, uh, th- there was one player that tried this approach. We knew about it. We didn't know who the player was, but it was a, we were aware that, uh, that it had been reported in media that, that someone had. We now learn it was Aaron Rodgers and he uh, decided to continue to go through with it and then not disclose properly his vaccination status. And, it, and what are the further consequences other than he's now out? I mean, I think that's the question. I think, I think you'd be, I, I don't think there'll be anything significant. What I will say is I think odds are Aaron Rodgers is not in a Green Bay Packers jersey next year. Which probably would have been the case regardless. Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> all right, well, we'll leave it here for now. Um, 
I think we proved our point that this uh, situation with Aaron Rodgers has led to much uh, fervor uh, in the media and on our panel here ourselves. Lots, lots of emotions when it comes to these kind of issues. And I think that that's why we have these conversations. We will leave it here for now. That's topic two. Do you or someone you know own a small business? Are you looking to grow or to reach new customers? Hey, why not let us help? Hattrick is looking for unique brands, businesses, and products to advertise on our show. You can find out how we can help spread the word about your business by contacting us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. All right, topic three, much lighter. Uh, we got to see two, I think, really interesting things when it came to Euler fans. One, a little bit of history. Kevin Lowe's number retired. Um uh, and sent to the rafters. Of course, only people in Alberta saw it because even though Sportsnet had promised not to black out the ceremony about five no. minutes in, uh, they hit the um, blackout button probably automatically, uh, which is just, again, uh, as an Oiler fan outside of Alberta, I'm just going to step on my soapbox for just a moment and go, what? Like, where are we in the 21st century here, NHL and Sportsnet? You I get your deal. It. I get your deal was written like seven years ago, and I understand that there are local media games and, and national games, but like, what the fuck? Like, get over it. Move on. I am sorry if the business model of the NHL is built around the idea that I will somehow become a avid Canucks fan simply because those are the games available. <laughs> it's just not true. It's never going to happen. Uh, and all you're doing is losing viewers and the money that comes with that. I just don't get it from a business perspective at all. Put it on national television. You've got like seven sports net channels, put it on bloody one of them. Uh, even if I have to pay like, like two extra dollars or whatever for those games, just do that. Even if I buy the NHL center ice package, I can't watch blacked out games again. It's fucking ridiculous. That's my side note. Regardless, people in Alberta saw Kevin Lowe's jersey retired ceremony. I watched some of it later and I, uh, I'll see what you guys thought. But it was interesting for me because, you know, we haven't seen one of these in a while. You know, I think the last one of these kind of things was like the Glenn Sather night a few years ago when, when they sort of honored Glenn Sather. Obviously, uh, the, he doesn't have a jersey to retire, but the Oilers have a policy. Your, your number goes to the rafters if you make it to the Hall of Fame. Kevin Lowe was the last sort of holdout of the Oilers dynasty, and he waited a long time considering how long Glenn Anderson and Paul Coffey and all the other contemporaries waited. But it was there. It felt like kind of out of place. Like it felt out of time. It felt like they'd waited so long for this, that he was an old man and it kind of was uncomfortable um, watching it. Cause it didn't feel like we hadn't seen it in this new building. You know, there was just something kind of weird about how it was presented. However, all that being said, you know, congratulations to Kevin Lowe. Well-deserved as a player. Um, and I think that what was really cool was the energy that it put in that building. And that's what we got to see. The Oilers came out a little flat as they, as teams often do following these pregame ceremonies, I think. Oh, yeah. I don't know what the all-time record of Jersey retirement games are, but I'll bet you the home teams lose more than they win. Uh, I know the Oilers are something like 500 of these games. Um, they came out real flat. It was like 4-1 um, going into the second, and it looked like the New York Rangers were just going to have a field day with them. But this team isn't the Oilers we have watched for a long time because the Oilers we have watched for a long time as Oilers fans know would have folded up the tent and we just would have seen probably two or three more. But I have this weird feeling when I go into a second or third period trailing with this team that they are capable at any time of not only scoring, but getting a lead back. And that's exactly what happened. A great comeback. Our favorite Oiler right now, Yessi Pugliarvi, the Bison King came to play when he scored that second goal. I was listening to it on the radio. I was driving home from work and it sounded like the roof came off. I've never heard that building louder than a playoff game. It was awesome. This is a regular season game in November boys. 
in November. And they tied it. And then they gave the lead back up. And then we have the goal of the year. Maybe the goal of the decade. Maybe the goal uh, of all time. Greatest goal of all time. I don't know. I certainly know that I've never seen anything like it. Four on one. He probably could have beaten another two guys if they'd been there. He probably could have gone seven on one with those moves. It was at, he was as surprised as everybody in the building. Go watch the highlight. If you haven't done it, mm-hmm. watch it over and over and over. It is absolutely majestic. I watched the Oilers game the other night here in Vancouver. There was a very large man sitting next to me who had a very thick accent. And he just turned to me at one point and goes, it's absolutely majestic to watch McDavid skate. And I thought to myself, <laughs> you are absolutely right, sir. I don't know who you are. You're a Canucks fan, but you are dead right he is absolutely majestic it's absolutely beautiful and again as we said i think several months ago if you're not watching this start right now don't stop because you are watching history you're watching something special whether they win the stanley cup at the end of all of this or not we're watching an absolutely amazing season nine and one i will hit my mute button turn it over to these two boys i've said what i have to say i know both of you are sitting at home uh just absolutely i i mean you're left without words brayden how yeah. you feeling? What else do you say? Nine and one start to the season. This is a new record. This is a new, a new dawn, a dawn of. I, I, yeah, I'm speechless as well. It, it's stunning to watch a a four one game in the third turn into a, a six five win uh, at the end of the like yeah just utter dominance. I I uh, <laughs> I want to actually speak more on. Um, Warren Fogle, this this guy is like a game changer. I, I've not, I have not seen a th- now. Hold on a second. I I can't I can't let go of the fact that he gave up a ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous turnover. <laughs> that led, but he was just setting the team up. He was setting them up. He he said to McDavid after that he came off. He said, "Okay, I've set this up. Go and take on four of their players and win this game for us." But Warren Fogle is actually a stud. He is a big big winger that we have not seen on the third line before. And I think that he was going to be one of those impact players uh, as the, as the season progresses. Yeah. I mean, so let's start at the beginning, the Kevin, Kevin Lowe stuff. I think, I think why it's taken so long, probably a bunch of different things. I think they wanted, they said they wanted to do it in the new arena. I think he's still like a member of the organization and working. And so that was sort of, I think probably uncomfortable in some ways as well too. Um, Jordan, well, weren't they waiting new- for him to get the hall of fame? Or they're waiting on the they Hall of Fame. They okay. were waiting for the Hall of Fame. That's the rule, I believe, in, oh, okay. the, in the in the team. So the question is, who's next? And if they get another Hall of Famer before McDavid or not? So Kevin Lowe stuff that was great. I mean, yeah. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't hear it, but I was in the bar and watched it. And it's always emotional when those things go up. And the notion of retiring a jersey uh, difficult for Chris, Chris Russell, I'm sure, to give up the number four this year. But <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just messing around. <laughs> uh, nine in one start. Yeah, really, really good. I'm really excited for the team. I think, you know, to, last night was an example of something that Mike Smith used to continually say in, in, in post-game press conferences last year when he was talking about just needing to make a save and, and saying, like, you know, there's a lot of confidence in this group that uh, doesn't matter, matter how far behind we get. We, you know, we have the skill and the talent to score the goal. So as long as I can just keep the pucks out of the net, then that's fine. Um, you know, I think our goaltending is I, I'm a little bit concerned after last night. As I said to start the season, if Mika Koskin has to play a lot of hockey, then I worry about the team. He's played a lot of hockey recently and he did not have a very strong game last night. Um, and it does not look as though Mike Smith is ready to return as of yet. So 
we'll see when and if Skinner gets in and if that's a problem or not. But I do worry about that, I think, uh, long-term. Although, that being said, I mean, this is 10 games. Koskinen has uh, not played well in two of them, but otherwise he's really kept within the game in a lot of other situations too. So it's even tough to be critical. Everyone can have a bad game once in a while, right? Um, Yeah, I, I mean, I think this is what we'd hope to see is that we oscillate throughout the year between Dreisaitl being the most dominant player in the league and McDavid being the most dominant player in the league. But either way, they're both on our team. And it just seems like that's the case right now. Dreisaitl has had an outstanding week and continued. And now, now it seems as though uh, Connor was not okay with that and <laughs> decided to put the team on his back and, and perhaps produce the goal of the decade, as Jordan said, uh, certainly of the year to start. So, Lots of excitement, lots of good things. Uh, one interesting thing for me t- is to see how this team handles adversary. I, 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 I'd like to see, I'm um, not like to see, but we will eventually see this team lose two straight. And how do they deal with that having to play that third game? And the other thing is they're on a five game road trip now. Um, and we'll see, they're, they're going out east. They're going to play some, some of that competition and lots of places in the States. We haven't seen the Oilers mm-hmm. play in over a year. Um, and so we'll see how they match up against the rest of the league in other, in other, um, uh, cities, but that's where you'd want to be heading into those is nine and one and feeling good. And that's where they're at right now. So some complain. good teams, like really good teams out East. You could even see it in the, with the Rangers. Like this is a, this is a system that they, yeah. they had to work hard to, to kind of, you know, control. Yeah. And, and as Elliot said, you know, it is still early. There's a lot of different kinds of question marks that play out, but again, you're nine and one for a reason. This team has gone into games and, and worked teams over. This team has gone into games, fallen behind and worked their way back. The, and this team also is just stuck in close games, right? I mean, that game in that I watched here in Vancouver was a goalie battle, right? It was Miko Koskinen was great. It was also a bit of a post battle. Both teams had a little bit of un, un, unfortunate luck when it came to getting shots on goal, but both Thatcher Demko and, and Koskinen had played great in the game I watched live. And I, I, and I think what you get to start to see is that's nice to see that no matter how the course of a game goes, this team is adaptable, it's flexible, and it's deep enough. That's the biggest difference. Braden brought up Warren Fogel, but for me, it's it, it starts even higher up than that. We have the two best players in the league hands down right now in Dreisaitl and McDavid, obviously. But there's an argument that Pooley Arvey is, is in the top five of the players in the league right now in terms of the, the, the way in which he's turning the offensive opportunities he's getting into, into goals, right? He's, oh, I know. He's, he's aggressive. He's opportunistic. He plays the puck. We saw, I remember talking with you guys maybe a year ago about the idea that like Pooley still looked like he was kind of ahead of like over his skis. He was, he was so fast, but it was like, he was out of control at times and he wasn't, you know, in as in control when he had the puck as other players around him. And I feel like he, that's all caught up and he's, he, he's really just rounding into an amazing player. So there's Pooley You have a genuine number three guy on your team that we haven't had in a while. You have a number four guy Right now, in Nugent Hopkins, who's leading, leading I, in assists, I, I, leading in assists, which is crazy. Uh, I think he's dead last in goals for players that are on the assist points, but that's regardless. He's putting apples up, and that matters. And then you've got Zach Hyman, who is absolutely at, as as advertised. He's dogged on the puck in the corners. He wins those battles we were not winning. He wins those fights in front of the net the way we haven't seen since a guy like Ryan Smith or, or, or Nicholas Cronwell. He is aggressive. He is physical. He is fast. He is smart. And he's intelligent. All of the things you want in that player that's that's able to play both right now with McDavid or with 
the second line. And that's, what's great about it. There's flexibility. And then you have a genuine third line. It's unfortunate to see Devin Shore get hurt. Cause I thought he'd been playing well. We'll see what the Derek ramifications Ryan. of that are, but Derek yeah. Ryan has looked good. He's winning faceoffs when we needed He's penalty killing and he's got some offensive flair. He, he was probably mm. one of the better players in the first period last night when they were struggling, he generates energy in the game. Again, I watched here in Vancouver, <laughs> Zach Cassian and Warren Fogle and Devin Shore were the best team, the best line in that entire. Oh game yeah. Totally. Shout out, shout out to yeah. Victor Tanti's favorite player, Zach. Cassian. There you go. Zach Cassian has come back. I mean, he's exactly what we want Zach Cassian to be. And he's starting to earn that big paycheck they gave him. It's great to see. And yes, there are question marks about the goaltending. What have I not talked about yet? Defense. Everyone is on this team about not being deep enough defensively. And yet they have played very good defensive games so far this season. Last night. Yes, it's an outlier. There were a lot of bad turnovers. There were a lot of goals scored. For both teams, right? We are talking about the opponents also have the Norris Trophy winner, and oh, they, they yeah. gave up six goals. So, but are, am I back on track with Evan Bouchard's prediction here? Yes. And being Evan a, Bouchard a is Paul Evan Bouchard prophecy? is as advertised. Uh-huh. He is very good with the pocket. Right. He is good Calm in his down. defensive zone, maybe like seventy five percent of the time. That's rookie. If we remember what Ethan Bear was like a couple years ago when he first had his big come out season and was amazing, <laughs> he still had bad turnovers. He was still a rookie. They're still oh going to make gosh. some mistakes. But Duncan Keith has played well. Cody Cece has played really well. He is a big body and he he back checks well. We're going to see whether or not this this team just gets stronger and stronger. What I do believe, the one thing you cannot get in free agency, the one thing you cannot get at the trade deadline is confidence. That you have to earn, and this team is earning it. They know now on that bench when they gave up that Zibanejad goal, no problem. We're going to go get another one. And that's what's awesome to see because that is what a winning team means as far as I'm concerned. Somebody Last we thoughts, haven't mentioned. Braden? Yeah, we haven't mentioned Chris Russell. You're going to have depth guys, right? You're going to have guys who are out there who aren't (laughs) going to be flashy and aren't going to make things done. They're going to make one or two big plays. Look, he hasn't put the puck in his own net yet. That's good, right? (laughs) That's actually good for him. That is is. is a general play. But I still think that having a guy like Chris Russell on this team is valuable because you do have a lot of defensemen. Of course, yeah. And I think that it's helpful. For what you're paying him, absolutely. He's played three games. Yeah. He's got one assist. He hasn't hurt. He's plus one. He hasn't yeah. hurt you. It's the same as you Slater know, Cuckoo, with right? Cuckoo. That's exactly what I was going to yeah. say. Benson's played three games and they've been okay. McLeod, yeah, they've games. been okay. They've been, but you know I think what? Tyler Benson's not ready. But you know Tyler, who we might see Tyler again is McLeod now. Gone. I think McLeod will be gone. back. That'd be yeah, nice. Because Shore's nice. hurt. McLeod will be back. The other thing, too, is. is Turris has played well, too. Turris has had a good couple games yeah, he scored goals. Played, the one that i think you guys are all missing on that i just have to note is that darnell maris is continuing to play at the capacity that he was before he's not scoring the goals but yeah. his shooting yeah, percentage was out yet. of control oh, yeah. last year yeah but yeah. he's you know he's still got eight points he's played 10 games he's averaging 26 yeah. minutes a night he's playing in all situations uh he's fierce and he's you know he's starting to He's starting to turn me on that nine million dollar contract. Which is he know, turning is you? Is he turning you yet on the prediction I made at the beginning of the season that he's capable of winning a Norris Trophy? No, that was a, that was yet. that was a not yet. bad take. Not yet. <laughs> well, more they goals. beat the reigning defense defending Norris Trophy winner last night in Adam Fox. So he so will be in the discussion. He will be in the discussion. Up for, and I think if this team does as well as they are now you know, trending towards that. He'll, he'll get a lot more eyeballs on him than he usually yeah. would have. And that's, that's going to help him a lot. Uh, the question I want to leave with both season. of you right now is this, who wins the heart trophy early season, bold predictions. Is it McDavid or is it Leon Dreisaitl? <laughs> those are at this point, those are the only two options right now. Who else? I mean, Ovechkin's having a good year so far, but mm-hmm. okay. 
the heart trophy Con- <laughs> connor wins this connor does he will now who has more points connor yeah, or leon, leon well, i think leon will yeah, yeah. leon, leon has more leon's points. on fire leon has more points but connor is more sustained i i think you see connor getting more five four or five point games and then dry settle throughout the year and that's kind of what's yeah. the differentiator i mean the question here is what's the limit in terms of mcdavid this year is it 150 is it 175 yeah. No. Well, if you're t- telling me Leon's going to get more points, then what's what's Leon? No, saying? I don't think I don't. Well, I don't think he will get more points. I think Leon no. will fall off to to Connor. But uh, but I, I I think they'll there's. I mean, what if they if share it? Are, can they share it? Mm. <laughs> no, the they problem, can't. They cannot the share. Leon it. always will have is that Leon will. I mean, I suppose have. there could be a tie, but it'd be very hard. But the issue with Leon always faces is he's not going to win the heart because everyone will say even if he beat him in points. Uh, he, he did win the heart. Plays. He beat him two years ago for the heart, Elliot. I, yeah, but I, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, I know. Wasn't, I know. But wasn't Connor injured that year for half the season? Yeah. Sure. That Maybe. Was the Maybe that's what it was. But that's reason. what I mean. That's that's the only reason. Right? No, I, I think, yeah, I think before COVID hit, Dry Seidel was, was on on fire anyway that has been our conversation about the oilers this week tune in next week for no uh i'm sure we'll have more amazing goals and more amazing things to discuss as we get more and more to the season nine and one boys it's awesome Woo! it's fun um thank you both we went way over time this week uh so Woo! i apologize to our listeners but thank you if you stuck around to this point um and uh, we will talk to you again next week that's hat Patrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It's produced every week by Jordan Dyler Coltman and Braden Dyler Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. Ovechkin, 18 points. 18 points in 10 games. 10 goals. I think he's going to catch Gretzky. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.